Hello, and welcome to episode 205 of The Modern Manager. I'm your host, Mamie Canfor-Stewart. A warm welcome to Sam M., Barbara C., and Jason S. to the Modern Manager community. Now, today's guest is Joey Jaeger-Hyman. Joey is the founder of College Prep 360, a boutique educational advisory group. She's also the author of two books on college admissions, B-plus grades, A-plus college applications, and Fat Envelope Frenzy. Joey and I talk about her experience of transforming into a modern manager and how it has impacted her personally, her team, and her business. You may not know that I do an extended interview with my guests that is usually only available to members of the modern manager. I really wanted you to hear everything that Joey shared with me today, so I've included the full recording for you. So you need to just keep listening past the membership offer at the end of the normal episode in order to hear the rest of the conversation. And if you like getting these extra bits of content in these extended conversations, you can get them for every episode by becoming a member of The Modern Manager. It costs just $5 per month. Go to themodernmanager.com join to learn more and sign up. Now here's the conversation. You're listening to The Modern Manager, a podcast dedicated to helping you be a rock star boss with a thriving team. Whether you're looking to upgrade your meetings, cultivate your team, or grow as a leader, this podcast is for you. Now here's your host, Mamie Canfer-Stewart. Thank you so much for joining me today, Joey. I'm so excited to talk with you, not only because you're a client, but more importantly, you are one of my best friends, and I am so excited to have you as a guest on the show today. I am honored to be here. Thank you so much for inviting me. Okay, so let's set the stage. It was a couple of years ago. I had just started coaching and I can't even remember if my podcast was out yet. And you reached out to me and wanted some help. So can you just walk us through like what was going on at that time in your business and why were you excited to talk with me and grow yourself as a CEO, founder, manager? Yeah. So I started a business. Basically, when my son Henry was born, he's 12 now, so about 12 years ago, and it is a college advising business. I worked in admissions and I worked for several other companies that were, you know, similar. I was doing college advising for other people and I was sort of at a crossroads and I, my father was the one who was like, you're good at this and you should start this business. And I had it for about, you know, five, six years and it was very successful in the sense that I had so much more work than I could do. I, you know, had hired one or two people and my hiring style was like, here's the work, (laughs) you know, what do you want to make? What kind of mood am I in? And why have you done that right? We did not have any systems. And I just was just totally overwhelmed with the amount of work I had. I mean, the actual, my college advising skills were really good. And I, you know, was accumulating a lot of clients and then I was getting referrals and everybody wanted me. And I just had no idea how to get out from under that. And I just remember feeling completely overwhelmed, completely miserable, literally like there was not enough hours in the day for me to do all the work I needed to do and not enough hours of the day to do really important things, for example, like send out the bills so that I could collect money for all the work I was doing. And I just, I just remember thinking I was just so overwhelmed. That's, that's really the word. And I 
kind of came to you to figure out how do I get out from under this? How do I, you know, take the few employees I had at the time and sort of professionalize the operation rather than kind of a lot of handshakes and a lot of, you know, sort of, you know, good luck <laughs> to them. How do I basically create an organization? And I remember you telling me, you know, in a way it was challenging, but you were of course, super positive and you gave me hope that it was possible, first of all, which was a huge relief and did really did give me the hope to take the steps I needed to take to work towards that goal. But I remember you saying something like, you know, I have constructed this house on a very shaky foundation. and I kind of had to figure out how to keep the house intact while rebuilding the foundation. And it, you know, it was tricky. And I, I absolutely learned so much with your help and guidance that I could, you know, go on and on about for days, but that, that was the origin story of how I initially approached you. And then I can tell you later the story of how I, when I first listened to your first podcast episode, well, I, I feel like you should tell that story now, but I want to say, I remember when you first reached out and our first couple of conversations about like what your vision was of just not being overwhelmed. Like it wasn't even yet that you were ready to say, I have this like vision of a really full, balanced, easy life. It was like, I just want to not be stressed. <laughs> yes, I, I think that's right. I think I was like, I, I literally just need to get time in the day. Like I have to figure that. I think that was my first request to you. How do I get more time to do all this work myself, basically? <laughs> so you're right. I really, I really, I guess I should tell people, you know, as a founder, which I think is not atypical, I don't have a business degree, right? I actually have a, a doctorate in education policy undergrad, I studied philosophy and I am good at my, you know, I came to the table with some skills in my specific area of advising, right. And creating this service, but I, I had absolutely no business background. I didn't even know what I didn't know. Like, I think I literally was like, help me find, I, how do I even find the time to talk to you? <laughs> I think that was my, um, you know, that's how overwhelmed I was. Cause I was just sort of just saying yes to clients. I was trying to, you know, pay my mortgage and pay for the daycare and save up for the private school and all the things about, you know, that come with living in New York. And I just felt so frankly inadequate because I, I had no framework or tools for even thinking about business. And I, I you know, I think I was like, give me books and give me, you know, just give me some way to even start thinking about this because I don't even have enough hours in the day to talk to you. So yeah, it was journey. Well, and that's not so uncommon for managers, right? Like for sure for entrepreneurs who have not had a business background, which is the case for many, many, but also for managers who haven't had a degree in management, right? So mm -hmm. many managers know their function, they know their craft, but then they're supposed to be managing people. And suddenly it's like, wait a second, no one taught me how to do this. And I'm supposed to suddenly do all these things while also doing the things that I'm responsible for in my day to day. So I feel like the experience of an entrepreneur is a magnified version of what managers go through regularly. Absolutely. I definitely see that. And I, I feel like I've had, you know, early experiences, even with promoting people who I was like, well, you're very, very good at your job within this company and I, we're growing. So now you're a manager, you know, poof. And now I've learned so much more about giving them that support that they need. But yes, I'm sure there's plenty of other people who've been thrown into that position because they're good at what they're doing. 
they're at a growing company and, you know, it's a quote unquote promotion, but it's an actually entirely different job. So I want to go back to the story that you mentioned about when you first listened to the podcast, because I feel like that's also a really pivotal moment for you as a CEO wearing your people manager hat. So can you share that? Yes. <laughs> so I was actually visiting you. Um, we were we were together and you told me, if, I think if we if I didn't know you, maybe this would have gone differently, but I did have this sort of like confidence that there was some value in your advice and listening to what you had to say. But I remember so clearly it was a beautiful summer day and I decided to go for a run and you just started the podcast. So I was listening to your podcast and you had the first episode was all about how to be a rock star manager. And you gave, you know, these examples, like if, you know, a rock star manager can really, you know, get to know people and anticipate what they need to do their job best. And it was things like, some people really like thank you cards in writing and some people hate them or some people have really long commutes and you know it's your job as a manager to sort of say hey why don't you work remotely on Fridays and at least you know improve your quality of life because you're you're a great employee and i was running and i was listening to it and i literally kind of stopped and turned it off and i thought she's kidding right like how <laughs> How on earth am I going to remember I'm so busy and I'm so stressed and I'm so this and I'm so that and that's why I need to hire people. And how on earth am I going to remember who likes a thank you card and who wants, you know, how people want their appreciation delivered? And she must be crazy. And I actually rewinded it and started listening to it from the beginning again because it was so conceptually foreign to me. As I said, I've never been to business school. I actually should also add, I never really worked at a company. I mean, by really, I mean, I never worked at a company. My only job, my only actual, like I'm a W2 employee was at the Dartmouth College admissions office where I went to college and I got that job right out of school. And all the other things I've done in my life have either been, you know, I was a student for many years in a doctoral program. I did lots and lots of different contract work, or I wrote a couple books or things like that, but I, I really have never worked in a company. So this whole thing was so far into me and I actually had to restart the episode and listen to it again, you know, the second time with a little bit more of an open mind and slowly, 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 I have become a complete and total convert to this way of thinking. I joke that it, it always reminds me a little bit of parenting, like the evolution of parenting in the olden days, you'd have these kids and they would just toll the soil, right? And work the land and do everything you say. And today, I, you know, we kind of feel like our like slaves to our children, right? We're completely invested in their unique journey and their well-being and giving them, you know, the whole holistically everything that they need. And I, I think management is kind of like that, right? Like I think the olden days, I love I used to love to watch Mad Men. And there's that kind of famous scene where Don Draper in a fight with Peggy who wants some credit for the work and he takes money out of his wallet and throws it at her and says, that's what the money is for. <laughs> and as a stressed founder, I, I have a little bit of Don Draper in me that I silence. I promise, especially after, you know, listening to so many episodes of your podcast and working one-on-one -on -one with you. And I know that that would, you know, that's obviously not only something you would never say to somebody, but honestly, actually something that you're not, that you shouldn't be thinking. Like I, I think for the company to thrive, and in my case, I have a service business, right? So 
really we're all working together as a team and the product is us, you there's nothing more important than actually learning how to be a rock star manager. So I've completely, completely converted and adopted your your approach. But when I first heard it, I literally the the words going through my mind were, is she crazy? She's crazy, right? Like, how am I how am I supposed to do all my work? And that's what the money is for. You're just supposed to do what I, not even what I say, but like what I need and don't even realize. Like, that's how far behind I was. So yeah, it was a journey. But now again, never go back. I t- You were totally right. <laughs> and you've made so much progress. I mean, I think that is really a testament to doing the work and seeing how your business has changed and grown even more and how your team has expanded. So you can talk a little bit about kind of how you shifted your approach and kind of what did you do based on the podcast, based on our conversations to really upgrade your management team and your management practice? Well, that's a great question. I think a few things. So one of the first things I actually realized was that I myself, and um, I'll refer back to my Don Draper example, I'm not actually the best manager, right? I mean, I definitely, it is a constant thing I'm working on. It's something I aspire to. It's something that I, I certainly know there are best practices of and that you know I can get as close to those as possible, but I don't have as much ease with that as I do with other aspects of my job, right? And I do have a very demanding job with a lot of responsibility. and. I find that what's best is for me to target the places where I do have ease, right? So knowing that it's a little harder for me because I I didn't have a, I don't have an MBA or I don't have, I was not groomed in a corporate culture and I do have a little piece of silent dime draper. So all that self-awareness has really led me to make investments in managers, right? So that that's one of the big pieces. So first learning what it is, why it's important, and realizing that the company a hundred thousand percent needs it, even if it's not necessarily my calling. So that was one big piece. But even before we got there, early on, I think one of the most useful things we did with you was to think about the company values. And that was just a really, really wonderful exercise because again, going back to the days of just complete and total overwhelm, it was really kind of transformative to start thinking about who we want to be, you know, what are, you know, realizing that we now had a small organization, you know, a small team and the team itself had its own kind of life. Like it was, you know, the organization is almost like its own organism. And, you know, when you asked us a lot of reflective questions and we went through the exercise, we really were able to collectively hone in on what we want it to be, this aspiration, right? And put words to it and have it written down. And, you know, especially in the beginning, we really opened every meeting with it. We referred to it, we practiced it, you know, we would go back to it. And it was really, really helpful because it gave a blueprint for, you know, who we aspired to be, who we could be. And knowing that we did it collectively, right? That it wasn't just me saying like, this is what I want. It was all of us coming together to talk about what are our values, because I actually, despite my whole Don Draper joke, I am a very purpose driven person. And I think, of course, many people are and many people listening to this are maybe everyone is at some, you know, finding it's just about finding the right purpose that gets you excited and inspired. 
But I really found that to be a really big transformative step forward because then we had a blueprint that we created together about what we cared about and how we wanted to treat each other. With college advising, it's really interesting because we are a deadline-driven service, right? So it's it's funny because my dad was an accountant and I grew up, you know, kind of around a family business like that, or sorry, a small business like that. You know, accountants obviously have tax deadlines and my birthday is March 25th. And even when I was a kid, I remember my dad kind of being like, you know, I love you, but your birthday's not on a great day. <laughs> it's very close <laughs> to the tax deadline of April 15th. So that was always kind of in the air. And we always do, you know, tax season and he would be there late. And I kind of, you know, like all these years later, in some ways I replicated that because we have our application deadlines. I mean, we have, we get out like hundreds of applications. We have two big deadlines and, you know, hundreds of applications have to go out on November 1st and January 1st. And if there's one typo, you know, that's certainly something that our clients would justifiably be very upset about. And, you know, there's just a lot of work that's deadline oriented. So what was happening was we were all stressed at the same time. And instead of seeing each other as resources and as collaborators and as a group that was, you know, whose purpose was to kind of lift each other up when we were stressed and, you know, kind of amplify our shared purpose by, in, you know, really enacting our company values we were doing what's so human, you know, we were snipping at each other. We were stressed, right? And having the company values was also really important to take that step back and realize, oh, like that makes everything worse, <laughs> which is so obvious and clear hindsight. The job of the company, and certainly now I have rockstar managers also who really, who's, you know, sole focus is to really implement this. But, you know, we are here to help each other because we're stressed, you know, our clients are stressed and we are all working under deadline and the company is here to really lift you up, right? And keep you doing your best work and keep you inspired. And by really identifying how we're going to speak to each other, how we're going to respectfully collaborate, how we're going to aim for excellence, right? We really were able, I think that was, that exercise was very transformative. So I, I really, I remember that and I really loved how you invited the whole team to participate and craft them together and they still live on. Like so many times we create values and they go on the wall or they go in the digital file and they get talked about for like 10 minutes and then they just disappear. And that has not been the case with you. So I just shout out for like really living into the values and bringing everyone along with you. And I want to switch a little bit here to this idea of cultivating other managers because that was also a huge I think, step for you to build out a team that could really take some of the load off of you who had the right skill set and then to support them, which you've kind of mentioned already, if your job is to really support them to do their job best. So can you talk a little bit about how you approached building your team and then how you support them now? Yes. So I was really, really fortunate in that I met these women who had a small business and we were chatting and I was talking about how overwhelmed I was. And they basically were working with a woman who was a manager for them who had a little additional capacity. And she came on and she just started at 10 hours a week. And right away, I was like, oh my gosh, <laughs> this is also transformative, right? So just having someone here who's not doing any client-facing work, 
right? Who's really here to think about the big picture, who's here to check in with people and, and see how they're doing with their client facing work, you know, who's just in the background, but of course, again, creating that foundation and lifting everyone else up was just amazing. I literally was like, you are the most important person in my life right now. <laughs> and she knows who she is. And I know she's a fan of this podcast and she's probably listening. So that is a true story. And that, that was just the beginning of me actually thinking about, okay, so as we grow and we've done this a couple of times, but, you know, as we kind of take a step back and recreate the organization and figure out who's doing what and what the positions are that we need, you know, now everyone has a manager. The managers are such a vital, vital part of the organization. Everyone needs one. And it's funny because the work we do is really hard. College advising, I don't know if any of your listeners have kids in college or are just interested in this, but you know, since the pandemic, it's gotten shockingly even harder to get into a top college. And we, even I, you know, I, I love to have thought partners and I love to have somebody, you know, I, one of my, you know, favorite ways to start a sentence sometimes when I'm, when I'm in my busy season with my students is I'm not crazy, right? Like, or just to get somebody even just to validate you. But I think, you know, going back to the idea of hiring managers Again, I really do see that if we don't have a team, we have nothing, right? It's almost like a little bit of the, the self-care analogy, right? Like if you have to take care of yourself first so that you can help everyone else, right? But if I have, you know, a, a horrible client who's beating up a member of our team, ultimately that client has to go, right? Because if I don't help the team, if I don't help, you know, my colleague, then nobody gets helped, right? No clients will, will be assisted and, and we won't have a company. So I think really investing in the management and the support and the culture and the purpose and, you know, living the company values has opened everything up, right? It's so inspiring and amazing to me how much our company has grown in the last, since we've been working with you. And even just, even in the last two years, we've grown so, so much. And that's only possible because we have a structure in place where a, people want to be here, you know, we've, we can retain good people, but also, you know, we can grow thoughtfully because I know when I hire someone new, there is a manager who is there to onboard and train that person and make sure that they're integrated and make sure that they understand our values and make sure that they understand what their goals are and how performance is rewarded here. I always say, I think the only people who don't do well are the people who can't ask for any help or can't say, you know, I'm struggling because we do want to create actually a very supportive and collaborative atmosphere. And I think we have succeeded. I think again, it's, it's, we've grown more since we've implemented those things than we had in, in the early years prior. Well, and I want to specifically note that there are, are, two things that you've mentioned to me in the past or that I've experienced with you that I think have also really contributed. And the first is that you've encouraged other people to listen to the podcast. And so now there's sometimes this, what would Mimi do that comes up in your conversations, <laughs> right? So, which I have to like, you know, give props to myself, but really yes, to say that that you have really brought this ethos of people management and being attentive to the role of the manager. You've really embedded that in your team, your management team, in your organizational culture, right? It's not just like a side thing that's like, oh, Joey says we should do this. You've actually really cultivated 
that awareness and that intention, which is so beautiful. And that secondly, you have gifted or you've made available opportunities for your senior management team to work with me, which mm-hmm. I love because you're invested in their professional development and you're, you've taken yourself out of the role of having to be the coach or the fixer all the time, right? You, as you mentioned, like being a manager is not your favorite thing. So you recognize that and you've said, okay, I'm going to provide the right type of support then. And that type of support is not going to come from me, but it's actually going to come from me making it maybe available to my team. And so I've gotten to know your colleagues and I've loved getting to coach them. Yeah. I mean, we, we, we're all maybe groupies, <laughs> you know, it's, it's, I think it's just super, super valuable because there is almost, I mean, I'm, I don't want to say endless problems in like a, a complaining way, but endless challenges in the sense that each individual is unique when teams come together, that creates maybe unique challenges, new clients create unique challenges, changes in the field or things like the pandemic create unique challenges. And so I think, yeah, I'm totally, you know, invested in this idea that this is, it's aspirational. It's a process and, and that's what a coach does, right? So I am not, I'm, I'm as much as I am definitely not a manager, I'm a hundred percent not a coach, right? That's a whole different skill set that, that you have, you know, and maybe that, you know, there's other models for that, but like a coach is really a gift of course. And it's somebody who can work with you as a manager to focus on the specific things that you may need to grow in and to offer you really targeted support with iterations, right? This didn't work or that, you know, part of it worked or what else can I try? Or maybe that was super successful. And I want to, you know, take, take something I learned in in this arena and bring it to another problem I had. So yeah, no, I absolutely for the senior managers, I'm when, you know, we did reviews, I'm like, well, here's your budget for professional development. That is like a Mamie budget. Or I've had people who've enrolled in some of your courses and we all listen to the podcast, we send them to each other. But again, I think it's maybe the, the takeaway from that is it's a process. It's a process for me. And I think it's a process for my team. I don't know why the managers would be any different, but we all do. One of our our values is we all actually love learning and growing. I mean, we're we're all in education in some way or another. And so I think, you know, that that's for, for us been a gift. And again, it's one of those things where I might have been I might have started like, what? And I'm completely invested the other way now. Even if someone doesn't mention, you know, like they might just mention something. I'm like, call Mamie because she'll have, <laughs> there's tools for that. I think that's also, you know, if there are any managers who are struggling right now, who again, were kind of like great at the job they were doing and they got promoted or founders who, you know, are really passionate about their service or product, but now they find themselves kind of managing a team. I would really just encourage you to realize that there's there are so many tools and helpful resources. And again, because I didn't go to business school, I don't know what they teach you in business school. Maybe maybe they don't even teach you that. <laughs> but I didn't even really know where to start. And just knowing that like someone else has had that problem that I have before and almost always, if not always, frankly, Mamie, <laughs> Mamie will have an actual like idea or you could go to a coach who can actually help you work through it because there's like tools and resources and knowledge and best practices for it. Like that was just such a revelation and something, you know, that I, I always keep in mind, no matter what I'm struggling with, like, there's no way I'm the first person 
that is struggling with this thing. And totally. just like, that's why coaching is so effective. And, and so, you know, it, it really does get results. All right. So what would you say kind of in our last couple of minutes here to a manager or founder, right? In addition to like going out and finding resources, is there anything, any suggestions you would have for how they start to really shift their mindset, right? You talked about kind of this flip that you had and then also like bringing your team along to get your team invested in this way of management thinking. Well, I mean, I think honestly, I cannot emphasize enough that the biggest shift in mindset has to be that you that your your team is everything. You're nothing without your team, right? So first and foremost, like actually taking a step back and realizing that it's your job as a founder or as a manager, as somebody, you know, with some power in this world to support the people who work for you and with you, because, you know, it's sort of like, you know, how you spend your, your days and how you spend your time is, is how you spend your life. And there's a lot of really positive things that come out of making that investment, including the, even just the being a good person stuff, right. That that's actually very important. So I would say first and foremost, just realizing that this is something it's a non-negotiable. It's something every leader needs to do. And that fundamentally, you know, just seeing this as also like a process, right? Like no one's ever done doing it. You're always learning about how to deal with people better. People themselves, you can work with somebody for 10 years and that person will change a lot, right? So, you know, giving people also the room to grow and change and in in you're in tandem changing how you interact with them figuring out, you know, what motivates them and inspires them and working together to do something really hard. So I think just even that, that mindset of realizing that that's your actual job, your job is not just to sell widgets or to sell hours of a service, like your job, a fundamental part of your job is to support your team. So beautifully said. All right. Where can people learn more about you, Joey, and check out your work? Well, my company is called College Prep 360 and our website is collegeprep360.com. You'll see some of our fabulous managers also in our team page. So shout out to all of you guys. But yeah, I mean, that that's the company and anyone who's interested in college advising, we'd love to have you give us a call. Well, thank you so much. It was really fun to get to hear your experience kind of in this reflective way because we've been friends for a decade or more maybe. And <laughs> we've worked together now for a number of years, but I think this is the first time I've really got to like hear your reflections on how transformative this whole process has been kind of all at once. Yes. Yeah, no. And I'm, I'm honored to, to be able to share that with people. And I will just say again, like the, this is all, it's all integrated and all connected. And, you know, by in the years that I've been focusing on, on being a good manager myself, on hiring managers and empowering them with the right tools. Like the company has grown so, so much. And that growth 100% would not have been possible. I still would have been complaining about my own schedule and what am I gonna, how am I gonna do everything had I not made that investment? It, it really is transformative and it's the key to growing. Joey is offering 10% off of educational advising or college essay editing from College Prep 360. 
and this is available to members of the Modern Manager community at the Sprout level or above. To learn more about membership and to join, go to themodernmanager.com slash join. And if you work for a government or nonprofit agency, you get 20% off of any membership level. All the links are in the show notes, and they can be delivered to your inbox when you subscribe to my newsletter. Find that at themodernmanager.com. Now here's the rest of my conversation with Joey. All right, so we are back here with Joey for a few more minutes. So I'm remembering that one of our more challenging periods when we were working together was when you had a longtime employee who really was toxic. Like, we're just going to call it what it was. Mm -hmm. Can you talk a little bit about your approach and kind of that experience of working with this person and trying to kind of resolve and deal with the behavior that that were really challenging? (laughs) Yes, yes. No, that's that was one of my biggest professional and life lessons. I mean, that really was, it was very, very challenging for me, as I know you remember, but like so many challenges, like getting through it to the other side, I am so grateful just because I learned so, so much. So I'll back up and kind of give some background. So I think the way, this was somebody that, you know, this was what, I think the first person I hired actually, and it was just the two of us and we had a small little business and, you know, it was very, kind of organic and, and maybe the person, you know, had some habits, but it was certainly a little bit the devil, you know, right? Like it was fine for me to work around things like being a little snippy or being a little critical or moody or whatever, however you want to say it. Cause I, you know, we were friends and I knew this person well, and, and I knew all the positives from it. And again, it didn't trigger me or it didn't like I, it was fine for me. But as we grew, you know, I decided to promote her and I, to be fair to her, I, when I look back, I, I would have done it so differently. Now I would have given her more tools and resources and even just had the conversation, you know, do you want to be a manager? (laughs) Not just like, oh, well, this is the next level promotion. And this is what makes sense for everybody. Just because you've been here, not everybody wants to do that. Not everybody, you know, has the tools. And certainly, you know, again, I, I learned a lot about setting people up correctly from this experience. But that's, you know, where we were, we were getting bigger. And I thought, well, you know, I should give this person more money. I should give this person more responsibility. And then I did that. And it really was just a disaster because those little kind of frankly toxic habits that did not align with our company values, once they were kind of amplified and, and all these people had to, you know, we were growing and other people had to report to her. It was just a disaster. I mean, she was just literally treating everybody terribly. I know I mentioned this earlier about, you know, we, we're all working under deadlines. So when she would get stressed, she would turn into a bit of a monster. And, you know, I had people quit because they couldn't handle her. She, you know, a very common feedback I would get is she makes me feel dumb, which is how no one ever wants to feel. And especially at work. And especially when they have to turn around and go face a client, right. And be their best selves. So yeah, it was really just a disaster. And what I, now I see in hindsight, of course, that that's really, you know, culture, it's, it's never on autopilot. It's always something you're either working to promote, you know, the positive aspects of, or if you're not working at it, it's probably deteriorating and it really is contagious. So what I was so fixated on was not as much as I should have been, you know, what I should have been focused on was what is good for the whole, what is good for the company, 
But because she was sort of my first employee and an OG and, you know, I didn't want to be, for some reason, I had this analogy in my mind. I didn't want to be the band that gets big and fires the drummer. You know, I wanted to be loyal. And I really put that almost ahead of everything else, which again, all learning lessons and something I would never do now. And I waited way too long to address it. I didn't address it in real time. I was frankly, a bit scared that it was super tenuous and it would blow up. I did not know how to give her feedback. I was just, I wanted to be a loyal person. And I guess now that I think about it, I was also scared. What would this be without her, right? Instead of actually stepping into my own self-worth and the self-worth or the collective worth of the organization that we were building together, we meaning everyone else, I think I was a little insecure. You know, it was a little bit of imposter syndrome. I can't do it without her. What does this look like without her? Because I'd always worked with her. And it was, it was, again, probably coming from a little bit of fear and a little bit of loyalty or a lot of loyalty. And it was just a huge mistake. I just let it go on for way too long. It not only tortured the the people, as I mentioned, you know, people who either left or complained that she made them feel dumb or that she stressed them out, or they were scared to go to her with problems, which of course is very toxic, but you know, I was a wreck. I was scared of her. I was scared of what, you know, the moods and the just, you know, all the same things people, other people were experiencing. And I was doing much more work than I needed to be doing because I was sort of working around this person and putting out these fires. And it just was a big, big mess. And I think the the number one lesson I learned, of course, was, you know, you always have to focus on the team. Like no one person is more important than anyone else. And when you ignore problems, right, for whatever reason, even if they're well-intentioned, And you don't learn how to give constructive feedback with like clear metrics of what someone needs to do to be successful in this organization. Then again, like culture is either moving forward in a positive direction or deteriorating because you're not nurturing it actively. And that has a whole ripple effect on the entire organization. So no one person, including myself, <laughs> is more important than the organization. If somebody is being toxic, if somebody is not being a team player, not collaborating, not having a growth mindset, not taking feedback as it's delivered, not asking for feedback, then they have to go. You know, I mean, that's just the truth because the rest of the organization will suffer, the rest of the team will suffer, and it's corrosive. Well, and I remember you know, for me, one of the biggest moments that that I remember just in our calls was the moment that you said, I've done everything I can do to support this person to change. And she's not willing to change. Right. And then kind of follow up conversation of like, I can forgive myself for feeling like I didn't do enough. This feeling that we have to like make it work for someone else. Like that's not true. We need to do our best to provide the context and the support and the resources. But at some point, it's okay to say, this person's just not a good fit here. Like, this person's not willing to change. There's nothing else I can do to support them. And it is not my job to bend over backwards to make the culture around this person accept them. It's really about, you know, getting someone who is not a good fit, who is really toxic and, and unhealthy in the workplace out so that you can actually do what you're exactly what you're saying is foster that good, healthy workplace. Yes. And I think very few situations in life prepare you 
for what it's like to fire someone. It's really hard. And especially the first time or the first few times, it's never easy to be fair. It's always hard. The only comfort I have now I've, you know, it's, there's the company's been around 12 years and I've had to do that, you know, several times again, it's never, ever easy or something anyone should, or probably, you know, most, most people would do lightly, but where I've had some comfort. So like where I've transformed from being completely sort of avoidant and fear-based and, you know, imposter syndrome, guess, second guessing myself to someone who is able to, when the time is right, execute in that decision, if it's the right decision has been a few things. So one is actually, you know, knowing that, that exactly like I have tried right now, before I had these tools before I had, a, you know, you as a coach or, you know, any awareness of the fact that there were, there were things that you could, you know, ways to deliver feedback and ways to communicate to people what the expectations are. It was so hard, or if not impossible for me to say, okay, well now you're fired because when is that moment, right? Without the tools, <laughs> right? Without the second chances, without the constructive feedback, right? It's really, really hard to know. But when you start investing in management and you start utilizing these tools and having the company values to refer to and really kind of understanding how to create an organization and space for each individual in the organization, it actually ironically has given me the confidence to say, okay, actually, yeah, I can fire you because I know that I've tried everything else. Like I know I've given you chances and I know I've given you this feedback and I know that I've communicated and there's nothing that I can do to make this work in a way that's not going to be sacrificing other people or in a way that's not that, you know, that really is making sure that the rest of the organization is going to thrive. And so those two things are actually very related and it's very, like I said, it's still hard to fire people. It really is. But at least knowing that like I have made the investments, my own professional investments and the investments in the team to support people and create a positive culture, that ironically has made it so much easier to let people go that don't work within that positive culture, the people that are not contributing in a positive way. Thank you so much, Joey. Thank you for being honest and transparent about the challenges of running a business and being a manager. (laughs) I am so grateful. Thank you again. Well, thank you. We really do say all the time, what would Mamie do? Or call Mamie or here's a Mamie podcast. I mean, I can't tell you how much you have just empowered us to to invest in all these things and, and to realize that like they are super essential. And I can tell you, I think everyone who works here is happier and better off because of it. And, you know, your work is really a gift to us. Oh, thanks. It's true. (laughs) Thanks again for listening. Until next time. Meetings are one of the most critical components of healthy collaboration, and teams are at the heart of how we work. Meteor helps you use your time in meetings productively, build healthy relationships with your colleagues, and move work forward. To learn how we do it, visit meteor.com. That's M-E-E-T-E-O-R.com. You've been listening to The Modern Manager. You're already becoming a rockstar boss of a thriving team, I can tell. To ensure you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player 
and join the mailing list at mamieks.com slash podcast. That's M-A-M-I-E-K-S dot com slash podcast to get show notes and other special content delivered directly to your inbox. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.